Good. Well, we are uh, continuing our series called The Way of the Kingdom, and uh, we are about halfway through, which is super exciting. We're doing uh, a series throughout the whole summer. And uh, if you're new here, this series, we're really diving into Jesus's teaching, uh, specifically the Beatitudes. And this uh, sermon, at least for me, preparing it has been so transformative and such a blessing. And uh, when we actually look into the Beatitudes, uh, this sermon of Jesus himself, and even just this series as a whole, is an invitation to be discipled. <laughs> that when you look at what Jesus say, says in these eight blessings, right, bless are the persecuted, bless are those who mourn, bless are the poor in spirit, bless are the, hunger, the hungry and thirsty for righteousness, that all these things that Jesus says are blessings in his kingdom are attributes of who he is. That Jesus hungered for righteousness, that Jesus mourned, Jesus was poor in spirit, Jesus right? Fill in the blank. And so when we dive into this, we need to see this, that Jesus is inviting us to embody his character, and in turn, we become discipled by him. And the whole point of being a disciple, if you guys know, the word disciple simply means a learner or a student. And so to be a disciple of Jesus, we're someone who is learning from him. And uh, the whole point of being a disciple is to ultimately become like our rabbi, <laughs> to think and to live and, and to, to operate and do life the way that our teacher has modeled to us. And uh, I love discipleship. The way I disciple uh, may look very differently than, than maybe how you grew up. I'm currently discipling two men, and it's been such a gift. But I think uh, in, in church culture, we have this idea of discipleship uh, that is, is only half of the picture, Right? We do our books, we do our studies, we have our accountability, we have all these systems in place which aren't bad, but we miss the core heartbeat of discipleship. That the whole heartbeat of, of discipling people is to ultimately lead them to a place to be discipled by Jesus himself. That if you are discipling someone, that you, you live your life in such a way that they want Jesus in you. Yeah, Paul says that follow me as I follow Christ. And so this series and what Jesus is teaching, this is an invitation into being discipled by him. Does that make sense? That we want to follow and live uh, with Jesus in such a way where he is the one who is forming us, okay, into his Im image in a deeper way. So let's start in Matthew 5, 6. Uh, today we're going to talk about blessed are the hungry. Say hungry. hungry. Blessed are the hungry. Matthew 5, 6 says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, who knows, uh, a cup is not full until it's spilling out. That a cup can look full, it can look like it's at the brim, but unless it is actually spilling out, it's not really full. And this is what Jesus is inviting us into as we hunger and thirst for righteousness that our lives will literally be spilling out. <laughs> that everywhere we go, everywhere that we walk, that our lives are so full of God that we don't even have to try to minister, we're just spilling out. And as we see in this kingdom that we're invited into, it's very countercultural. Yeah, as you guys have seen through this series, like the, the mournful are blessed. The, the poor in spirit are the ones that are blessed. And in the kingdom, to be satisfied actually means to be hungry. <laughs> that in the world, if, 
you're uh, uh, hungry, it's because you're not eating, but in the kingdom, <laughs> the more you eat, the more hungrier you get. Right? The more that we taste and see of God's goodness, the, the more we're gonna want of him. And so I just wanna define hunger, uh, and this is actually just from uh, the dictionary, but it says this, hunger is that deep, ache on the inside of you, that sense of need that is not content until it is filled. That hunger is an active state. Say active state. It is an active state for it results in you seeking out the object of desire that will satisfy your need. That's good. And I love, I love that, that it's an active state. That hunger leads us into action. <laughs> It leads us into a place of response. When, when we're in, let's just let's give a practical example, when we're in a corporate setting of worship, that it's our hunger for God that brings us to a place to want to respond. It's that sense of me that is not content until it is filled. Right? Hunger is an active state. It's not a passive state. <laughs> and so when we talk about being discipled by Jesus, that the word disciple means to be a learner or a student, that I wanna propose uh, to us this morning, if you are not actively learning and maturing with Jesus, then you may just be a follower and not an actual disciple. That's harsh. But if you're not actually learning and maturing with Jesus, then you might just be following him. You might not actually be discipled by him. Like who knows, Jesus had thousands of followers. You guys know that? He fed the 5,000. 5,000 people were following Jesus. That he sent out hundreds of people, but there's only 12 people named as disciples. And so this is what we're stepping into. We're saying, Jesus, we want to be under you. <laughs> We want to be under your teaching. We want to be a student of the way that you live and have your being. And so my desire simply today is to stir us into spiritual maturity, that we would have a, a hunger leaving this place that says, I want more of God, that I am not content with just being half full, <laughs> that I'm not content with just being to the brim, that I want to be filled to the point that I'm spilling out. That's my desire for you guys this morning. That's my desire for me uh, this morning. And so as Christians, uh, your maturity is tied to your appetite. Very quickly, your appetite will reveal what you desire and the direction you're heading. Because what feeds you will eventually lead you. <laughs> what is feeding your life what you are consuming, what you're partaking of is going to lead the way that you're going. And when we started this series, we, we, we read the verse uh, that says that there is a way that seems right to a man. You guys remember that one? There's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. <laughs> and so... We need to develop a healthy spiritual diet. That we 
need to have a hunger uh, for the things of God. And so I want to share just this quick story. You know, for me growing up, uh, I never ate spicy food. Do we have any spicy food people in the room? Because it's got Cholula and, you know, all the hot sauces. You know, I, we just never had spicy food growing up. And so as I grew older, you know, all my friends were Hispanic. And so, like, we would just have spicy food, hot sauce all the time. And uh, every time I'd eat it, I'd be like, you know, your, your, your tongue is burning, right? And you're like, this is not enjoyable, but you're just going to push through it. But over time, the more I started eating spicy food, the more I started to enjoy it, the more I started to get used to it. And what's interesting, I don't know if you know this, but your tongue actually has over a thousand taste buds. (laughs) And the reason you can have an appetite for something is because your taste buds are always changing. And the more that you expose your palate to what you want your tongue to appreciate, the more you'll start to like those things. I didn't like spicy food, but the more that I ate it, the easier it was to consume and the more I liked it. This is the same thing in developing a hunger and an appetite for righteousness. And so the Lord has led me in this unique journey uh, where he's stripping off all these distractions and leading me into a place of, of really honing in on developing an appetite for God. And who knows, sometimes that's gonna cost you something. <laughs> who knows, sometimes developing an appetite for God, especially when you've been heading one direction or you're so used to one way your whole life, it, it costs something to change into where God is calling you to do. And so I entered into a, a life transition. I transitioned out of a, a, a huge job that I was doing into something completely different. And as I was heading into it, I was like, God, this is going to affect everything, right? was living a freelance design lifestyle, and now I'm working uh, full-time for, for a church, and, and it, it's different, okay? If you live freelance, you can, you know, work anywhere. You can go vacation whenever you want, and then when you have a nine-to-five, you're, like, locked in, and uh, amen, right? And for me, it, it was obviously the Lord, but it led me in this journey where I was like, God, like, this is going to affect a lot, <laughs> a lot of things. Like, my life cannot look the same. I, my rhythms, my lifestyle cannot look the same because my, my day looks different now. And the Lord led me into this 30-day detox fast to just remove every distraction. And it was this unique journey where the Lord's like, you're not going to watch TV, you're not going to watch movies, you're not going to use social media. They start stripping off all these things that so easily... Right? When we're tired or, 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 or we're, we're longing for something, we just kind of fill it with something to distract us. And what happened in this 30-day span was, was I started to think clearer. <laughs> I started to become more aware of God's voice. I, I started to become more in tune. My, my day, my, the structure of my day started to, to go towards uh, what actually is going to benefit me. Right? It's, it's this way of, of training your tongue right, towards what you want to have an appetite for. And that as a Christian, the word disciple and discipline are synonymous. (laughs) That if we do want to follow and be discipled by Jesus, it's going to require a level of discipline. So how do we develop a spiritual diet? Okay, two ways. The first is you feed your spirit, okay, 
You feed your spirit. The way that we feed ourselves spiritually is we meditate, we study scripture. We actually go deeper in what God has revealed to us. Right? It might require praying, fasting, okay? It might require sitting in God's presence, becoming rooted in healthy community and creating holy habits. So we feed the spirit. The second is that we starve the flesh. We be led by the spirit. We remove unhealthy distractions. We resist temptation. We protect what we intake. That's a big one. (laughs) We protect what we intake. That as human beings, we're not created to be able to intake so much information, right? When we're scrolling on the news and there's all these things and all this suffering that's happening everywhere and and every moment we're just seeing more suffering and and more hardship and more pain, that, that we have to protect our intake, that what we consume, even the, the people we spend time with, the, the information we entertain, even the media, right? I know I'm sounding like your grandma right now. But what we watch and what we do matters, and it is important. And, and I'm a movie buff, and so I get it. Like, I love movies. I, I, I love stories. But it really does matter if for, for your entire life you're just used to having an appetite for one thing and you're tasting one thing, you're just going to become numb to it. And you're not going to realize that it's actually affecting your spiritual diet. It's actually affecting your maturity. (laughs) Oh, because that thing's entertaining, I'll just watch it. Oh, because that thing sounds good, I'm just going to consume it. And this isn't legalism, this is discipleship. That we need to develop a spiritual diet if we want to receive this blessing of being filled. So let's go to Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5.11, it says this. It says, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. That's nice. How nice of him. So you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's word. You are like babies, who need milk and cannot eat solid food. This is a nice rebuke. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. And so the author is writing to believers who have been Christians for a while but are not spiritually maturing. You can be a Christian for 20 years and still not be spiritually maturing. You can be a Christian for two months and you can be spiritually maturing. That the letters addressed to people who are maybe just walking in their flesh, their foundation isn't solid, they're maybe controlled by their situations or their emotions, that they maybe don't understand basic theology. That this is a, a call to believers and saying, hey, if you are not growing, it's because your appetite hasn't grown. That you're only used to milk. And I don't know if anyone has done this, but has anyone brought an infant to a fine dining restaurant before? <laughs> they have. Where right, you bring your infant to a fine dining restaurant, nine times out of ten, they're not going to want the filet mignon and broccolini, right? Chicken nuggets and french fries. That's it. All the parents know that. 
And, and this is the reality is because as an infant, your appetite hasn't grown for meat, for things like that. It requires more work to consume that, that you don't have the ability to digest these things. And this is the same thing with us if we're not spiritually maturing, that we don't know how to consume and to receive things when, when, when it requires a little bit of work, <laughs> when it requires a little bit of, of chewing, of sitting, of waiting, that we haven't developed an appetite for the things of God because we're so used to what's easy and comfortable. That milk is something that someone else processes for you. It's easy to digest, whereas meat is something that has to be killed, butchered, cooked, and chewed. <laughs> it requires a little bit of work. And my fear is that so many of us have settled for fast food spirituality where we receive from someone else's revelation because it's quick and easy and we don't know how to feed ourselves. Guys, we have to mature. Like if you have walked with Jesus, we, we have scripture, we have more than enough. And, and if anything, I know this is kind of intense, but if anything, I just want to challenge and charge you guys that this, this season that you're in, don't waste it. Don't be like, oh, I'll wait till I get a seminary degree. <laughs> I'll wait till I graduate, then I'll start, you know, growing with order. I'll, I'll, I'll wait till, you know, I marry a pastor and, you know, maybe that'll happen. That this is the time to really seek and say, Jesus, I want to mature. I want to grow. I want to develop and consume deeper things of God. I heard someone say, if you only give God five minutes a day, don't expect him to give you anything profound. And so all of this matters. And, and I don't want this to feel like a legalistic thing because we see here in, in, in Matthew 5 what Jesus says. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He doesn't say blessed are those who are righteous. <laughs> he doesn't say blessed are those who are perfectly righteous and perfectly holy and, and never mess up and, and read their Bible 10 times a day. He's simply saying those who have an appetite for it, they will be filled. That's it. This, this is what we're going after, that we have to have a new appetite. That you're, you're not going to eat something if you don't have an appetite. You're not going to enjoy and appreciate something if you don't have an appetite for it. So Matthew 5, 6, again, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so what are we supposed to hunger for? It's righteousness. It's interesting. Jesus doesn't say those who hunger for God but those who specifically hunger for righteousness. So I want to talk about righteousness. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? What is Jesus trying to tell us? In scripture, righteousness has three distinct meanings, okay? The first meaning for righteousness is to be in a right standing with God, okay? To be in right standing with God. And the good news of the new covenant is that we've already been made righteous, <laughs> Because of what Jesus has done, we are now right with God. This is the good news of the cross, that there is no more separation. We don't have to strive for God's love or forgiveness. The work is done. And because we've been made right, we also have been made near. 
That Jesus didn't just make you right with him just so that you, know, you can be coexisting. Jesus made you right with him so that you can be near to him. So that we can actually enjoy him. That we can actually live and dwell in his presence. Right? 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 19 and 21 says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sins that we can be made right with God through Christ. That's so good. That we have been made right with God through Christ. And so righteousness looks like having an appetite to be right with God, not through your works, but through what Jesus has accomplished. And to hunger to be near him at all costs. That's it. That when we hunger for righteousness, we become aware that we now have access that now we can actually draw near, that the penalty has been paid and so we no longer have to receive shame or condemnation or guilt. The price has been paid and all we now have to do is to draw near. When we hunger for righteousness, this is what we're hungry for. That if you don't believe you've been brought near to God, it's because you don't believe you've been made right with God. If you struggle but feeling like you can be near to God, the root is you struggle with believing that you're right with God. And the moment you receive through faith, through, through faith the grace that he's given you, aka his righteousness, then you can now access freely. The second thing that righteousness means is to live according to what God says is right and true. That we begin to value and live out what God says is right and what he defines as truth. What's interesting in the fall, when sin entered humanity, we know the story that God says, Adam and Eve, don't eat from this one tree, which is the knowledge of good and evil. You guys know that story? Don't eat from this one tree. It's so interesting. As you guys know, they disobeyed God. They eat of the tree. Boom, here we are. (laughs) 2022. But what's interesting, it wasn't the fact that the knowledge of good and evil was wrong. It was the fact that they were seeking the knowledge of good and evil apart from God. It wasn't the fact that, oh, they now know what is good and evil, and so now every sin is plaguing humanity, but is that they try to attain the knowledge of what is true and what is good and what is evil separated from God. That's what ushered sin in. We'll get that later. That knowing God's desires, our our lives should reflect that. We should be intentional and value what cultivates deeper intimacy with God and resist what hinders it. That Galatians 5.16 says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Oof. That righteousness, having an appetite for righteousness, looks like living out what God defines as right and true having a spiritual diet that we partake of things that feed us spiritually and we resist things that make us lose our spiritual appetites. This is a doozy because this is, this is, it's so easy 
to say, I'm going to just go define what I want to be right and what I want to be true. It's so easy. And this is the invitation, guys. If we want to be full, like this is, this is what Jesus is teaching, guys. This isn't me. <laughs> that he's saying if you want to have a blessed life, right? The word blessed, makarios, is happy. If you want to be happy, if you want to be fulfilled, then hunger for righteousness, and then you'll be satisfied. That, that longing to be filled and to be satisfied and to, to belong and to, and to fit in and whatever longing that is inside of you becomes fulfilled in righteousness. In saying, God, now you, des- you define and you dictate what is true. Because Adam and Eve already tried that and didn't work out. Are we alive? <laughs> All right. That we have to create a spiritual diet. All right, the third and last thing that righteousness means is that we want to see that which is wrong be made right. That a lot of different translations, they interchange righteousness with justice. That, oh, sorry. Isaiah 117 says this, which we all know this verse, right? Learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight the rights of widows. That God's desire is that his kingdom would be manifest not just in us, but around us, right? James says that pure and genuine religion looks like caring for the oppressed. Those who've been wronged and are hurting or have yet to see God's kingdom manifested, that they would come in contact with his righteousness in us and through us. That righteousness looks like having an appetite for justice, that our desire for God's kingdom isn't just for ourselves, but for those around us. So we're going to end here in Matthew 6, 33. We all know this verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We kind of just leave it at seek first the kingdom right, because it's more tweetable and it's more catchy. But it says, seek first the kingdom and what? His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. That maturity and righteousness are synonymous because we mature by growing in righteousness. That seeking God's kingdom cannot be divorced from seeking his righteousness because wherever his rule and reign is, so is his righteousness. That Psalm 89 says that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. The worship team can come up. But the blessing of spiritual hunger is that he always promises to fulfill us. That we have to do the hunger and he gets to do the filling. That a lot of us are seeking to be fulfilled without seeking to be hungry. And so I just want to propose to you if there is areas in our lives that we feel empty or dissatisfied, that we're trying to satisfy with other things, this is an invitation today to expand our appetite. Maybe it's an area where we have yet to taste and see God's goodness in. Who knows what's interesting is that you can eat food even if you're not hungry. <laughs> You don't have to be hungry to eat food. 
But who knows that when you eat when you're hungry, so much better. You're not just satisfied physically, right? You're fully satisfied. And so the goal of spiritual maturity is to develop to develop a hunger for God's presence and nearness, to live according to his truth and to see his kingdom restore our society and those around us.